Hi, this is Corey Turner. And along with my wife, Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. I wanted to start tonight by just sharing a little bit of a story with you that I find absolutely captivating with what God is doing in this season where people are at in this journey. The last two years, am I right in saying it's been rough? Been ups, downs, and everything in between. And if you haven't, I need some of the juice that you're drinking. Because legitimately, everyone has been on some form of up or down. But you know what I have seen over this time is I have seen the spiritual hunger increase in people's hearts and lives. Just last week, I was at a hairdresser and uh, you might think I'm hiding my COVID hair. It's not true. It's been done. It's all good. This is just a fashion look. Um, apparently, it works for me. Maybe not. Um, <laughs> but literally, I went to see my hairdresser. And she started telling me about her daughter and how her daughter had gone away on a holiday with them up the coast to see her grandmother and stay with some family. And they were travelling on their way back. And as they were travelling on their way back, her boyfriend had contacted her and was breaking her heart. He was breaking up with her over a text message. Can I just say to all the men out there, please, all the men, the boys growing into men, please don't do text. It's not cool. Just putting it out there, free tip. But anyway, this young guy contacts her breaks her heart over a text message on the way back. She's sitting in the car with her parents. She pulls over. Parents pull over on the side of the road. She gets out. She's having a panic attack. She's having anxiety, having all these things happen. Her mum and dad are trying to figure out what's going on with her. And in the middle of it, uh, her hyperventilating, not being able to breathe, she basically hands the phone over and the parents can see that she's broken, her boyfriend has broken her heart. At that moment, her parents are absolutely grief-stricken trying to figure out what do they do with their teenage daughter on the highway, on the way home, crying, hovering over, bending over, breathing, trying to capture her breath. They decided in that moment the best thing that they could do is contact the person that they had, she had had contact with in, in, uh, in, on Coffs Harbour and up on the new coast somewhere. That person was a Reiki. Does anyone know what a Reiki is? So it's like a person who digs into the spiritual realm and digs out stuff and interprets things, interprets dreams, interprets things that are happening, senses things in the spirit. It's all of the wrong spirit, but literally that was the only person I knew to turn to. And in that moment, it broke me inside because I was like, God, I've, I've been working with these people and sharing with these people and telling these people about you, but they are so spiritually hungry that in that moment, they turned to the very person that she went to out on the coast. Person got on the phone, literally starts downloading a heap of stuff. I'm so glad you called me. I felt da, 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 and all these different things. And I started to realise that there is a hunger in people for the supernatural realm. There is a hunger in people for supernatural things, for extraordinary things. I don't know about you, but I'm not satisfied in the life that I live when I read my Bible and I see what Jesus did and who He is and how He operated in what I am currently doing in my life. Because I believe that there's so much more, that there are greater things than these for those who believe. 
And literally as I started unpacking this, I felt like God take me to a passage of Scripture. We're going to turn to it in Luke chapter 12, verses 17 to 26. And it says this, On one of those days, as he, Jesus, was teaching, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were sitting there, who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him, Jesus, to heal. And behold, some men bringing on a bed a man who was paralysed. Let's go back to that verse. And behold, some men. Everyone say, some men. men. Say it with a bit of passion. Some men. men. Come on. We're bringing a man on a bed who was paralysed. And they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up to the roof and they let him down with his bed through the tiles in the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, everyone say their faith. He said, man, your sins are forgiven. Hold up. A paralyzed man, brought by friends, can't get in, dropped through a roof before Jesus, expecting healing, extraordinary things, miracles, signs, wonders. And Jesus turns to him and says, your sins are forgiven. In this moment, the scribes and the Pharisees are like, oh my gosh, what are you doing? In verse 21, it says, the scribes and the Pharisees began to question saying, who is this, who is this that speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And when Jesus himself perceived their thoughts, he answered them, why do you question in your hearts which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or to say, rise and to walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralysed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. Immediately he rose and before them, he picked up what he had been laying on and went home glorifying God and in amazement seized all of them. And they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. We have seen extraordinary things today. Tonight, I want to talk to you on the topic of extraordinary things starts with ordinary people. Extraordinary things starts with ordinary people. Let me unpack this with you. I want to take you back into this passage and I want you to look at the four types of people that we find in this passage. The first type of person in this passage are the people who are looking for a cure. See, the context of this passage is that Jesus previously has started his ministry, his teaching and his healing. He's out there teaching from the Word of God and bringing healing to people's bodies. Quite miraculous ones. Lepers being healed, blind people being healed. Great things are beginning to happen in the midst of a crowd of people. And these people were there because they were looking for their own benefits. There were those who were looking to see a cure take place to their sickness. And the the cure, interestingly enough, They've seen before, so word's starting to spread and people are starting to gather. 
I don't think there's a crowd of people. There's another group of people and they're the curious people. They're the ones who are in the crowd. They're individuals and they're there because they want to see what is happening. They're spectators. Just take a look at this with me. You've got the people who are looking for a cure. You've got the people who are curious. And it says this, that when they went to bring him in and bring him before Jesus, they found no way to bring him in because of the crowd. You know what hit me when I read this? I don't want to be a spectator. I don't want to be a spectator that gets in the way of someone meeting Jesus. This house is so cram-packed that they cannot get the man on a paralyzed bed who needs Jesus to touch him and bring healing to his body. They can't get him in because there are spectators in the way. I don't want to be a spectator. I don't want to be a spectator when there's someone who needs a cure. The third group of people in this are the Pharisees in whom I stopped and I recognized in that passage of Scripture. It says all of a sudden they started to ask questions. Who is this? See, to understand that, you need to understand that Pharisees actually were there with good intent. They were actually distributed responsibility from the religious sect to be able to divide and to separate what was truth and what was wrong. They were there to be able to apply it to the daily lives. The problem is with the Pharisees, they became so legalistic that they actually burdened the people with more laws and more rules and more regulations. And so when Jesus broke into their world, this type of people were sitting back going, no, 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 this doesn't fit. This doesn't fit in our, in our system of thinking. It doesn't fit in what's right. Because there was a saying within the rabbis of the time, there is no sick man healed of his sickness until he has his sins forgiven him. So literally, Jesus doesn't go, you're healed, now your sins are forgiven. He stands before the Pharisees and he says, you're forgiven to this young man. Now the young man's expecting healing, but he received the very thing that he needed that he didn't even know that he needed before that he needed it. And in that moment, everything shifts in this man's life, but it shifts in a paradigm of thinking for the Pharisees. Because in this encounter, Jesus literally stands before them and says, I am the one who forgives sin. I am the son of man. He says it. He says in verse 23, he says, which is easier, sins are forgiven or to say to you, rise and to walk, but that you may know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And then he turns to the man and says, hey, pick up your mat, rise, go home. You're healed. This is a profound moment because the, 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 the religious people, the Pharisees were there to correct, to criticise and to condemn. So the first group of people are there because they want a cure. They're oblivious to everything else that Jesus is except the fact that he's a healer. Do you know spiritually hungry people will go to anyone Hello. They will go to anyone to find peace, to find something that they're searching for, but yet end up being left empty and with nothing. But when they come to Jesus, everything shifts and changes. Everything shifts and changes in a moment with Jesus. The people are there for a cure. They're those who are curious. They're getting in the way of those who really need to encounter Jesus. And then you've got the Pharisees that are there to correct and to criticise. 
But then you've got the fourth group of people. And this is what I really want to talk to you tonight about. The fourth group of people are the carriers. <laughs> the carriers. These are the some men that are referenced in verse 18. It says, behold, some men. They don't even get a name in Scripture. They're just some men. They're ordinary men and women like you and I. Ordinary. Look at the person next to you and say, you're looking pretty ordinary today. You're looking pretty ordinary. Not a good way for the guys to pick up a girl right now, but the next one is, you're an ordinary man, a woman, but God wants to do extraordinary things through you. He wants to do extraordinary things through you. It says, behold, some men were bringing him on a man who was paralyzed and they were seeking to bring him before Jesus to lay him out before him. I love this because their faith could be seen. It is the only group of people that Jesus actually references in this passage outside of the Pharisees and says to them, I see your faith. I saw their faith. And literally their faith unlocked the miracle. Where's your faith at today? Their faith could be seen. It was bold. It was determined. They did more than just pray about it. They actually dared to do something more. And they weren't in the other crowds. They weren't a part of the crowd that were there for themselves to get healing and oblivious to everything else. They weren't there as a part of the curious to spectate and just see what was going on and to get in the way of what really needed to happen. They weren't there to criticise or condemn or correct Jesus. They were there as carriers of somebody else. They were there as compassionate people who cared and they dared to do something more. Verse 19 and 20, I see extraordinary faith. It says, but finding no way to bring him up because of the crowd, they went on the roof and they let down the man on his bed through the tiles in the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven. When he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven. I don't know about you, but sometimes I go to the supermarket, I go for a shop, I go through, I pick up all my groceries and I get to the counter and there's like, it's Christmas, y'all, so it's crazy, it's hectic out there. But literally I'll go to the counter and I'll be like, oh man, there's like 10 people, I'm not lining up. I haven't got time for this. Like put the groceries down, tell the checkout chick, I'm sorry, I've really got to go, I've got another schedule to get to, like, I'm really sorry, but like you're too busy. <laughs> because we live in a world where we're fast paced. We, we, we go through one door and we're like, oh, that didn't work. So we just turn around, we walk away. And it's like, no, 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 hang on a second. Where's the persistence? The commitment? Where, where's the young men like this in this passage who are part of a community who decided, you know what? I actually have someone that is in need of a miracle. I'm not going there for myself. I'm not going there to just to check it out. I'm not going there to criticise what's going on. I'm not going there just because I need a cure. I'm going because I want to bring somebody else. And they don't let anything get in their way. They are hardcore committed to seeing this man get to Jesus. They're so committed that they look for opportunity beyond what they can see in the natural. I'm telling you, this is, this is, this is going to hit your heart tonight. There's something that God wants to do in this because I'm telling you right now, faith is about to increase because the faith that was evident in these young men captured the attention of Jesus. And in the same way their faith captured the attention of Jesus, your faith tonight can capture the attention of Jesus because He wants to do extraordinary things through an ordinary person That's like right. you. Because He took some men and did an extraordinary thing through their faith. Wow. 
what about you? What about you? What about you? Extraordinary faith. So extraordinary things starts with ordinary people with extraordinary faith. Hebrews 11.6 says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. That's like a slap up the head. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. James 2.14 says, What good is it if someone says he has faith but does not have works? See, Jesus saw the faith of these men that was attached to their works that unlocked a miracle for somebody else. Verse 26 of James chapter 2 says, Faith apart from works is dead. You want to unpack that further? I'm telling you, go listen to Pastor Corey's message from this morning. He killed it on that space of greater things than these in that space of faith. I'm telling you. But tonight I want to talk to you in this space of works attached to your faith and the essential need for them. Because you can be one of those four types of people. You can be there because you want something for yourself. You can be here tonight even because you want to, 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 to be curious and figure out what's really going on and you want to check it out and you're a spectator. Or you could be here tonight because you want to poke the stick and poke the prod and be like, well, they're not doing this right and they ought to be doing that. They sang too long and this went far and that, that, that. I'm telling you right now, we all fit into one of these categories at some point in some time and some of us more than one at once. But legitimately... I believe that God wants to call you to be carriers. Not only carriers of his presence, but carriers of other people and attached to the works that he wants you to do to bring others in. How committed are you to being a carrier? See, the lack of works reveals an unchanged life or a heart that has not been transformed. Because you cannot love Jesus and separate yourself from the works of God. Greater works than these shall you do. If you're a believer, these signs will follow you. And the works are not the cause of salvation, but they are evidence of salvation. Works won't get you into heaven. Works will not get you favour. Works is the evidence of a transformed life. Everything shifts and changes when you encounter God. We are justified by grace through faith, but the natural result of faith is works. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 20, you will know them by their fruits. They will produce who they are. The question I ask tonight is, which group do you find yourself in? Maybe tonight you've been coming to church and it's all about the benefits. Maybe it's about what you can get. And you know, God's actually good for that because he healed those who came to him looking for healing, for benefits, and he's okay for that. We can't stay there. We can't stay there. Well, maybe tonight you're here and you're like, well, I just come in, I check in, I check out, use my QR code, get in, get out. And you just become a spectator in faith. You come in, you watch everybody worship, you watch the songs, you sit down, you consume the message, you consume everything, and you walk out. And that's actually okay to be in moments like that, but it's not okay to live like that. Or maybe you're coming to church and you're just like, you know what, 
They didn't reach out to me during COVID. I never got one phone call. I never had a moment where someone loved on me. And, you know, or maybe I came in, I walked into church and no one said hello to me. Or, and you're just criticising, you're correcting, you're condemning. You, there's something there that you've got to pick and knit at. Now, don't look at me like, Sheree, how could you even say that from the platform? You've all been there. Come on. Let's be honest, like serious. We're in family, right? So in family, you, you, in, you can say things that need to be said and you can say them in love and it can be okay. If, you, if I've offended you tonight, please forgive me because that's not my intent. I'm actually trying to use this as a point to bring about what God actually wants to say. And Jesus said things that offended people all the time, especially the religious ones. Okay. Or maybe here tonight because you want to be a carrier. Let me tell you this. There's a difference between a spectator and a shareholder. There's a difference between a spectator and a shareholder. When you're a shareholder, you've got buy-in. You own something in that space. Spectators come in, go. Shareholders contribute. Shareholders look after. Shareholders speak well of. Shareholders value. So how do you become a shareholder? How do you become an ordinary man with extraordinary faith outworked in works that leads to transformation in your life and in people's lives? Let me say this. Firstly, it was some men. They were in community. If you come to this church and you call Numa home, I want to say we ask you to sign up for a life group next year. You need to sign up for a life group. You need to be in community. To come in and just be part of the crowd and spectate, it's not what we're called to. We're called to be covenant family. We're called to be a family. We're called to be in relationship with one another. I want to challenge you. Get into a life group. Get around people of faith. You need to. Because they were some men together, united. The four of them, the other passage of scriptures talk about it was four men. They picked up a corner each and decided, come hell or high water, we're getting our friend before Jesus. Can I just say this? The friend was an unbeliever. Find yourself some unbelievers. Get yourself in a life group. Find yourself some unbelievers to reach out to. Make a decision. Put some work in it. Pick up the mat and bring him to Jesus and get him in his presence. Because when you get him into his presence, that's where miracles happen and they become the norm. The Bible says that in Acts chapter 44, that they gathered together in homes. I tell you right now, more than ever in this season, if anything has shown us, we need to be believers who gather together in small groups. Because if you've just come to this church, it's a large church. You can get lost in a crowd, but you can't get lost in a family in a home. And I want to encourage you to make a decision in 2022. Make no small plans. Get yourself into a life group. Get there fortnightly. Make sure you're a part of it and grow. Be challenged by someone else. Maybe you're like, oh, I'm one of the three, one of the four guys and there's a mat there and you're like, there's a person on it and it's like, oh, this is a bit of hard work but the other three are really excited. I tell you what, when you join them, you pick up your part, all of a sudden there's a joy in you and you get to participate in someone else's miracle. Second thing is this. Seek to bring something or someone. They were completely and utterly selfless in their approach. They didn't come to be a part of the Bless Me Club. They came to bring someone else to Jesus. I want to encourage you. Seek to bring someone next year. 
Make it a part of your plan for 2022 that you're gonna bring before God at least one person a month that you are continuously praying for, continually inviting and bringing into a space where they can encounter Jesus. If you don't pray about it and if it's not a priority, it's not in the forefront of your mind, it slips to the back of your mind, it never happens. I got through a whole month and I was like, Jesus, I didn't speak to one unsaved person this month. What the heck? Now I'm the evangelist, so like that could be a problem. But I literally was like, God, I don't even know what to do about this. Where, where do I go? I got the cafe person, but it was never the right time. I was like, God, I'm not content. I heard stories about people praying to see one soul saved a day and it started to happen. I want that. Yeah. I'm just challenging you to one a month. Yeah. Just one a month. Imagine if you prayed for one of your friends for a whole month and they came to know Jesus. Wow. How ecstatic would you be? Because yeah. I tell you right now, the young man that received a miracle in this passage of Scripture, he was ecstatic that he got healed, that he got forgiven and set free. But his friends, I'm telling you, there would have been an absolute rip-roaring party on the roof because yeah. they were still on the roof while the dude was getting lowered, right? So like, he's before Jesus, the four men on the roof. They didn't care that they were missing out. Like they were still sitting on the roof watching, just peering over the hole and being like, this is awesome. Yeah. You and I get to be part of this. Let's bring people along. Let's bring something or someone. Let me say when I say bring something, it means bring something that you can give to God and be a part of. Don't be a spectator, join a team. We go to the football, we watch football, we're spectators. We're players if we're on the bench or on the field. I don't know about you, but I hate watching the game. I want to get out there and play it. I'm like, would you just pick up the ball if you just picked it up and ran that way? Let me do it. Like, Anyone else? Spectating's great. It's not a lifestyle. Worship's a lifestyle. Worship means I come and I bring everything I am and who I am and all that I have and all I have to offer, bring it before God and give it to Him. Join a team, be selfless. If those four men hadn't brought that paralyzed man before Jesus, he would never have been healed. He would have never received forgiveness for his sins. It was only because they participated in a team sport and brought him to Jesus that everything changed. You can join a team. You can join the ushering team. You can join the connection team. You can join the coffee cart team. You can join the kids team. You can join all the teams we have available to you. Free plug, 2022, make no small plans. Get in a team. Get in a life group. Poke the person next to you and say, hey, life group and team, come on. Come on. Come on, come on, come on, come on. This is a 5 p.m. service. I need a bit of participation. Get excited about it. In Luke 14, 21, we see that Jesus paints a picture where it's about bringing the crippled, the lame, and the maimed, and the blind. And often we consider that in our minds about people who have those physical ailments. But you know, there are so many people walking around in today's society that are crippled in their lives, that are maimed in their spiritual lives, in, 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 their, in their heart and in their mind and their soul. All of these areas are under an oppression. And God wants to lift them. And all it takes is for you to bring them to Jesus or to bring Jesus to them. The third thing is this. Stay committed even when you are challenged. Stay committed even if you don't like it. You may be like, man, this girl, she is so offensive. I am never coming. Stay committed even when you are challenged. Find a way. These men did not let get the people get in the way 
of a miracle. You might have walked in here tonight and someone offended you. Don't let that get in the way of what Jesus wants to do in you to bring someone through you. Don't let the crowd or the circumstance stop you from being where God wants you to be and who God wants you to reach in the process. Hebrews chapter 11 says that there's a cloud of witnesses and it says to lay aside every weight and every sin. Now, sin is what you do yourself. Weight sometimes can be what other people have done to you. And I'm sure that in this room tonight, there are multitudes of you that I have offended in some way, form or shape, whether it was tonight or whether it was previous. But the beauty of this is that it's not about the offence in that space. It's about what God wants to do it. And it's about us laying aside those things in order to encounter him and what he wants to do. Stay committed even when you're challenged and find a way where there doesn't seem to be a way, even if it's emotionally, even if it's mentally, relationally. Find a way. The fourth thing is this. Stay in awe and wonder. Stay in awe and wonder. Verse 26 says this. And they in an amazement seized them all. And they, were glorif- they glorified God and they were filled with awe, saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. Yeah. Stay in awe and wonder. Listen to me. The religious people, the ones that came to correct, condemned, criticise, They missed the Son of Man, the Son of God in their midst and they lost the awe and the wonder. And it became about all of the other three things. He was right there, right there. And they missed it. They missed it because they were too preoccupied with the things that were in their minds. They were too preoccupied with religion and rules and regulations and making up new rules so they could fix the other rules so that people obey the rules. And then they didn't even obey the rules themselves and they became known as hypocrites, those who didn't do what they even said that they were called to do. Stay in awe and wonder. Hebrews 12 verse 28 says that these men were grateful and the kingdom of God was not shaken and that they worshipped and they were in reverence and in awe. Let me tell you, reverence and awe can slip away from you in one moment when you get distracted from what it's actually really all about. At the end of the day, it's all about bringing people into the presence of Jesus. You can miss it in the awe and wonder in the midst of everything else that begins to whirl around and swirl around it. Extraordinary thing is this. It finishes the passage and says, we have seen extraordinary things today. The extraordinary thing wasn't this young man being healed. The extraordinary thing was that this young man's sins were forgiven. That's the miracle. The greatest miracle is when people come to know who Jesus is and receive him for who he is. Lord, Saviour, King, Redeemer. Jesus was there to preach the gospel and to heal the sick. But he said in the previous chapter, I must go on to preach the good news because this is what matters. And the good news is this, that Jesus came, he lived, he died, and he rose again to bridge the gap between us and God that had been brought into play by sin through Adam and Eve. And sin is simply this, missing the mark of God's 
fullest intention for our lives. And the Bible says that we've all sinned and we've all fallen short of his glory. And it's his intent that we would be made right in relationship with God through his death, burial and resurrection. And it's available to those who choose to believe in their heart and confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord. It's not about a religion. It's not about clocking in and clocking out of church, whatever church that is you've come from. It's about a relationship with Jesus. It's a relationship with him. That's the beauty of this, is that a man was not only healed of his sickness and made whole and have a story to tell, but he was actually made right with God in that moment. See, when the Pharisees said that saying, there is no sick man healed of of his sickness until all his sins are forgiven to him, to the Jews, a sick man was a man in whom God was angry, a man whom could not be cured unless he was forgiven. He was cured, so therefore he was forgiven, and that was the greatest miracle of all. Jesus' claim to forgive sin is true. He is the only way to the Father. He is the only way to heaven, and it can be found in him today. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died, and rose again, conquering sin, Satan, and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life, and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.